Hi again, and welcome to the Apologist Bookshelf. This is Gary Zacharias. Hope you're having a good day. I want to do a new book for me, although it's been around since 2004. So some people may say, really, you're going to go through some old stuff? Well, no, it's uh, an older book, but it's got really up-to-date, timely information on several subjects. The title is Breaking the Da Vinci Code. The author is Daryl Bach, B-O-C-K, Research Professor of New Testament Studies at Dallas Theological Seminary. So a lot of people are going to say, "Uh uh-huh, we know about the Da Vinci Code. It's been here and now it's gone. And that's true, but that doesn't make this book out of date. It's a Yes, it is a critique of uh, Dan Brown's book, but I want to show you just one chapter as an example here. This is uh, chapter 4, Do the So-Called Secret Gnostic Gospels Help Us Understand Jesus? So he said in 1977, a Nag Hammadi library was published. It had 45 separate titles, and not all of them were Gospels, but they were interesting and they intrigued a lot of people. Uh, titles like this, The Gospel of Thomas. Really? Did he have a gospel? The Gospel of Philip, Gospel of Mary, Acts of John, Testimony of Truth, Wisdom of Jesus Christ, and many others. And their dates range from roughly the 2nd to the 3rd century. Now, some are alleged to be older than that. So, he says, well, let's take a look and see what's going on in these uh, Gospels. He said, there's a basic theme that underlines these early texts that people have uh, latched onto and are reading uh, seriously now. And here it is. The basic theme is knowledge, or gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, gnosis. He says central to their view is that Christians had access to some mysteries, some other teachings, right? advanced teachings that Christians didn't possess, most Christians didn't possess, and they were mysterious. It's secret, it's special, it's in-house teaching that was only given to a few, the most spiritual. And for example, they have something here. Uh, he uses a quote from the Apocalypse of Peter. And parts of it uh, have been uh, ruined over the years. But it says, uh, The Savior said to me, that's Peter, Be strong. You are the one to whom these mysteries have been given. And then they go on to all these mysteries. So it said this text shows three key things in here. Uh, there's a reference to the pleroma. And that's this pure, heavenly, completely divine, supreme God of the Gnostic texts. So the Gnostic view is that there's a dualism. There's this beautiful world, uh, this pure world out there, but the physical world is corrupt. So you've got these two worlds. And the true God is part of this wonderful world of ideas and, and light. He didn't directly enter into the physical creation of the world. Second thing that these uh, Gnostic Gospels have, there's a distinction between Jesus' physical body that suffered on the cross and the true incorporeal body that's pure light that saw the Savior suffer. This second figure is the true Jesus for the Gnostic group. And then this whole teaching is a mystery. It's a unique revelation that Peter's gotten from Jesus. And that's the basic message of these texts. They're filled with mysteries that can now be revealed but only insiders have access to them and can appreciate them. So the insiders have the knowledge, right? They have the gnosis. And that's different than what the Bible revelation that we have, our traditional Bible. Uh, Bible texts are recorded and given openly for everybody to consider. So uh, there is no claim to insider knowledge like these Gnostic texts did have. The revelation was presented for everyone. You know, like Paul talks about here's a new mystery that there's a body called the church. 
So it was these revelations were presented to everyone to consider and to accept or reject. And there wasn't any dualism between pure knowledge and the corrupt creation, right? God's creation was good. I mean, it, there was sin, and then the world had fallen, and it was destructive, uh, had, had destroyed itself some, but there's not this pure, wonderful world and this pure, ugly, created world. Well, for these uh, Gnostic groups, there was that transcendent father that was up there, just totally separate. He's transcendent. He's utterly spiritual, has no contact with anything material, nothing at all. Well, so who created the world? Well, it was a fallen, wicked, arrogant being called the Demiurge, or maker, and he believes he's the only God. So you got these uh, two different uh, gods out there. So you got the, do- the God, and then you got the Demiurge. All right, so I'm going to skip over some more material here. So the material world and humanity were created as part of a fallen world from the beginning. Now you got the God up there in that high realm. He provides the breath of spiritual life, but... The creation was the act of other beings. So that's very different, isn't it, than we have today. There were huge differences between the more traditional Christians who looked back to the apostolic era and those of the Gnostic bent that were talking about special knowledge. He also has a quote from the Apocryphon of John that's also a second century work that ends up pushing the idea of secret revelation again. Uh, This is Jesus talking. He said to me, John, why do you doubt, and why are you afraid? You're not unfamiliar with this image, are you? That is, do not be timid. I am the one who is with you. I am the undefiled and incorruptible one. Now I have come to teach you what is and was and will come to pass that you may know the things that are not revealed. Concerning, and then there's some places that it's not very clear. So I said this recognition of the divine and uh, the the secret knowledge is over and over and over again shown. By the way, it's kind of odd. Some of these Gnostics have been considered to be more feminist, uh, divine feminist characteristics. Really? It said It's kind of odd, though. It says, uh, know what it says in the Gospel of Thomas. This is uh, verse 114, or saying 114. Simon Peter said to them, to the disciples, let Mary leave us, for women are not worthy of life. But Jesus says, I myself shall lead her in order to make her male, so that she too may become a living spirit, resembling you males. For every woman who will make herself male will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh my goodness, that's not feminism, that's the exact opposite. Women aren't worth anything, they have to become female to get, have to become male to get to heaven. So he says basically overall, the view of God that's found in these texts is really different than the biblical texts of the Judeo-Christian tradition. In these Gnostic texts, it's a distant God. He doesn't want to get himself dirty with humanity. He works through emissaries. But in the New Testament, what do we see? God becomes flesh. He enters into our suffering. He took upon himself the ultimate sacrifice for us. It's a huge difference. What about Jesus? Here's another feature of Gnosticism. How is Jesus understood? Well, he takes a look at one of the Gnostic pieces here called the Apocalypse of Peter. And uh, there's a dialogue between Peter and Jesus. And Jesus says, He whom you saw being glad laughing above the cross is the living Jesus. But he into whose hands and feet they're driving the nails is his fleshly part, which is the substitute. Pretty weird, huh? So there are two beings. There's the living Lord and Savior Jesus and the human substitute 
Jesus, the Savior, is from the Father. He was a spiritual being. He didn't have anything to do with this world, with flesh or bodies or death. The earthly living substitute, a mere human, who only represented Jesus, was crucified. The heavenly Jesus didn't suffer on the cross. So we see these over and over. He gives more passages where you uh, see this a lot. So the, the more divine Jesus is actually the opposite of what the Da Vinci Code claims. They, they, they don't have a more human Jesus. He's more removed. Uh, the picture of Jesus uh, in the Gnostic text, he lacks genuine humanity. He didn't know suffering is distinct from that of other Christians. So it's, it's very different. He says the Gnostic view means there's no representation of Jesus on behalf of us, on behalf of humanity. Salvation, it, it doesn't depend on Jesus. It's proper knowledge. You've got to get the mystery right. Salvation is up to us. We have to go dig it out and make sure we got it right. So then he talks about revelation authority when you look at uh, the Gnostic text. He said, what, what's their view on revelation authority and spirituality? Well, Jesus is just a conduit, right? Revelation, he's just giving us higher knowledge. And no authority can challenge that revelation. It comes right from the, uh, the throne of God, basically. So... In this view, spirituality is not found by association with Jesus on this earth, uh, nor is spirituality part of uh, us being allied to a living God in response to his love for us. These themes of spirituality found in the New Testament are missing. Spirituality just means understanding who you are and seeking what God has already placed inside each of us. So a very different view of spirituality. One is rooted in Jesus that's the New Testament. One's rooted in the divine potential each one of us has. That's in Thomas's gospel. So that, those are some of the main differences that he talks about. And he said, uh, of course, now you got these two views, the Gnostic view and the traditional Christian view. And he said, each group denied that the other faction was Christian. He said, there's an agenda nowadays when people are coming up with the, the Gnostic gospels, making a big deal about them. It said they're trying to reject the Christian faith as a historically unified set of beliefs held over the centuries from the really early period. And it said they ignore traditional early Christianity, and there was a core set of beliefs. And uh, so that's, that's different. Uh, two key points, right? Neither side acknowledged the other is legitimate. And uh, so why does all this matter? He said uh, there's been a whole new wave of quasi-nonfiction books, kind of like the Da Vinci Code, about Mary Magdalene and about uh, Gospel of Thomas and things like that. And he quotes another person who says, you can see now when you read the Gnostics what the early Christians found that were heretical. Gnosticism rejected the body. It's part of the earth. Remember, the earth is bad. Anything physical is bad. They saw it a prison. They, they thought the body was a prison for the soul. But Christianity said, God, no, that's not true. God infused all creation. Even the human body could be a vessel for holiness, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Gnosticism rejected the Hebrew scriptures. In fact, they showed God of the Jews as an evil spirit. But Christianity looked on Judaism as its mother. Here's another difference. Gnosticism was elite, very elite. Christianity was egalitarian, neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. And finally, he says, uh, quoting this other person, Gnosticism is just too complicated. Christianity was a simple invitation of Jesus. He said, let the little children come unto me. He said, uh, Gnosticism just died under its own weight. So uh, they, he then focuses on uh, the Gospel of Thomas for a few minutes. Now he said, uh, it prevents a, 
that presents a familiar cast of characters, right? You have these Gnostics, uh, developers of a kind of a spirituality in the early centuries of the Christian era. They're, they're being seen today as noble seekers of enlightenment. But he said, um, take a look at it. He said, the Gospel of Thomas, for example, mixes some familiar sayings of Jesus with others that are very mystical. And uh, so said there's a there's something going on behind the Da Vinci Code and these other books that are pushing the Gnostic Gospels. It's an effort, he says, to obscure the uniqueness and vitality of the Christian faith and message. So toward the end of the chapter then, he says, so what can we say about these secret Gospels? He said, you couldn't be a Gnostic and a traditional Christian. And he said, what you get in these Gnostic Gospels and other texts like them is an expression of Christianity that's way different than the texts in the New Testament. It says, uh, the early Christians complained about error and heresy, and they saw it in these Gnostic texts. And these Gnostic texts are much older, much, uh, what's the word for it? They're, they're not as close to the time of Jesus as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're second century, they're third century, so they're not written by Thomas. They're not written by Peter. They're not written by any of those people. And he said, uh, this, this is a huge uh, deal here. He says, what about the four Gospels? What process led them to come out to be central to the Christian faith? And that's chapter 5, how are the New Testament Gospels assembled? I'd like to do that in another uh, podcast as well. So this is just to give you a feel for these Gnostic Gospels that are out there. We hear about them a lot, especially the Gospel of Thomas. So just be aware, they're hugely different from the Christian Gospels. They have a distant God. They have a Jesus that's not really human. Um, the, your salvation is through you figuring out, coming up with the right knowledge, the secret knowledge. So uh, don't don't let anybody tell you this is a, a better view or a newer view or a more real view of Jesus. It came much later than the four Gospels did. And, and Paul's letters are even earlier than that. He's got creeds in his letters that take us back to the close to the time of the resurrection of Jesus. So a good book here. Uh, it's older. You can probably find it used different places. Breaking the Da Vinci Code by Daryl Bach. Plenty to think about even today, even though it's uh, been a, a while since the book was popular. Okay, well, thanks for listening, and we'll do another podcast soon. Take care.